You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your host, Chris Jennings. Today I've got a special guest. I've got Tom Dockin. Tom, welcome to the show. Hey, nice to be on. Thanks for the invite, Chris. You know, Tom is joining us today on behalf of Sport Dog Brand. And of course, Sport Dog is one of our great sponsors of the DU Podcast. But before we get into some of the Sport Dog, you know, some of the technical aspects of it and some of the training that you do, um, why don't you go ahead and explain to our audience, you know, who you are, where you're located, where, you know, uh, just tell tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, I've been a professional dog trainer for 45 years. Our kennel facility is in Northfield, Minnesota. Uh, also, uh, you know, if, if people are using training products, maybe they've seen our uh, uh, Doc and Denfall training, training products that uh, we've come out with. And uh, But yeah, uh, part of the uh, sport dog senior uh, senior staff, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, Purina as well. So we get a, we get a chance to uh, go around the country, do a lot of seminars and do a lot of education to people, you know, people who are just starting off with their dog or, or maybe people who are doing more finishing training as well. So, uh, it's, you know, kind of one of those, uh, one of those jobs where you have to wear a lot of hats, but boy, uh, if you're interested in the outdoors and, and dogs, uh, it's the one to be in. No, that's great. And before we do get into some of the sport dog conversation, I just want to touch base on the, the docking training tool uh, that you, when did you actually come up with the dead foul trainer? Well, they've been out for probably about 20 years now. And for people who don't maybe know what they are, we came out with a training dummy that, uh, you know, looks and feels just like a, a real bird. But uh, we we designed the dummy so it would the dog could teach himself how to properly pick it up, uh, how to carry it, uh, uh, and know that uh, if they say like a, a dog comes and gets rough on a bird or wants to shake something, which is kind of that predator instinct to a lot of these dogs, if they go to shake it, uh, the dummy actually will discipline the dog for making the mistake. So, uh it came out as something that we just designed for our own personal use. And you only have to hear a few thousand times, where can I get one before you <laughs> go, well, maybe we need to get this on the market. So uh, we've been fortunate that uh, uh, that product's been out, it's been very successful. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, kind of one of those things that just seems to happen. Yeah, I only ask because I I personally have used those in the past with uh, every single, I've trained three dogs. And, and by no means am I a good dog trainer, probably more closer to mediocre. Um, but I have used, you know, the dead foul trainer with every single one of them. So I just wanted to, uh, wanted to get a little background on that and figure out when it, when it actually <laughs> yeah. did come out. So 20 plus years, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, Hey, thanks for using our product. Appreciate it. So let's go ahead and transition into, you know, sport dog, the e-training collars. They've got a ton of really cool, you know, really innovative, um, products that for dog trainers and, and, 
just to get started with this. So let's say we you have a dog or, or someone comes to you and says, hey, I'm, I'm getting ready to start training a dog. Um, what would be the first tool from Sport Dog that you would tell, you know, this person, hey, you need to start out with this? We kind of need to educate a little bit on on when when you would use a collar. So it, I'll, I'll back up just a little bit that remote collars are used as a reinforcement tool. Uh, they're designed to reinforce the commands that you've already taught to your dog. So really, first training tools would be would be basically a leash and probably a check cord, which, you know, if somebody's got a dog, they're pretty standard equipment. So you're going to go through the teaching phase of, of teaching the dogs the commands and getting the dog to respond well to a leash. Uh, and then, you know, a check cord, especially for young dogs, and I know that you've probably been through this like we all have, is is you really feel that you don't have any control once they hit about three or four months. It's like, boy, what am I going to do? That check, check cord for people who don't know, it's just a long leash. It's 30 to 50 feet long, and it, and it gives you control in the early stages where, uh, you know, you've got to make uh, make a correction or give a tug on that leash so the dog understands. And then basically, once you get your dog, and I, and I say get your dog really well-versed in working with the leash on the basic commands. If you're talking to retriever, you know, coming, sitting, staying, laying down, kenneling, any one of your basic commands, get them so the dog understands, like, if you tug on the leash or pull up on the leash, what they need to do in response to that command. And then uh, when you introduce a collar, and everybody might be a little different, you know, prose-wise, when you're going to introduce a collar to a dog. I I just kind of give a time frame of that seven to eight months of age is when I would start. And basically what I'm, why I say that is, well, my, some people might go, well, geez, you know, I had him doing all these things on a leash and he was 12 weeks old. Well, that's fine. But I, I want that puppy to have a little maturity to him. I want to have these commands just extremely solid. So when we make that transition and then that transition would be uh, on an extremely light setting on the collar. And, and I should say that with the sport dog brand collars, there's actually 21 levels of stimulus. And starting off on, on the lightest level, I always tell people, if, if I had you put your fingers on the contact points and I had it on level one and I, and I, I would say, oh, I'm going to push the button now. And they would say, well, go ahead and push it. And then I said, well, I did it like three times. And their response would be, well, I didn't feel anything. And I go, I know you probably didn't feel anything. And they go, well, what good is that going to do me? You know, when my dog's taken off, I said, that, that wouldn't do you any good. But the whole idea is you start at a very light level and then you would gradually work up to where you see your dog acknowledge as you do your commands. And I would be using the leash and the remote collar at the same time. I'd be timing that, that correction with both of them. But really the first indication that you're going to see your dog even acknowledge it would probably be something like uh, an ear twitch. Uh, they might blink or they might just scratch their neck. And and so what the whole beauty of this is nowadays, these collars will match any temperament and personality. You know, and I've been training for, like I say, 45 years when remote collars first came on the market, it was one setting. And I'm telling you what, I mean, it, it was it was extremely hot. So as a professional trainer, there was a fraction of the dogs that could be trained with a remote collar. 
because it was too much. Uh, and I always say that those were probably the toughest of the toughest dogs. And then most people would say, well, I think, you know, my dog's tough. And I, and I always go, no, most dogs are soft or medium temperament. They just don't respond to your command. So there's a big difference. Now with these variable intensities, the collar will actually match your dog versus having the dog have to match to the collar back in the old days. So, uh, so that really I'm, I'm getting into the training phase of this and is what I'm talking about right now, but it, we're going to then gradually use it to reinforce commands using the leash and the remote at the same time. And then basically, then basically what we do is we use the remote and then follow with the leash correction. So what we're trying to do is just wean our way off of the leash is all we're doing. And then, uh, then from there, uh, Basically, you just want to consider that your remote collar is just your is your leash. I, I just call it a, it's now it's an invisible leash because you don't have to be tethered to your dog. Uh, one other thing that I would also tell people is that before you'd even start remote collar, and I'll do this even with my young young dogs months before they'll be conditioned with remote collar, uh, they're just going to wear the collar. I'm not going to use it, but I'll put it on them before we go out and do something fun. Basically, you know, by the time we get to where we're actually going to start using the remote collar, you know, you pull that collar out to put on the dog before you go do something. They come running up and jumping all over the place, wanting you to put it on. And they're they're thinking that this now is going to give me some freedom because we're going to go play. And then people say, well, why is that important that you do that? Here's why you here's why you go through that. The whole idea is that I don't want the dogs to know by the time they're all done with their remote collar training that they only listen when the collar is on them. So my dogs, my dogs never associate a correction with me putting the collar on. And that's where you get a dog that goes like, boy, he listens really good when I have the remote collar on him. And as soon as I take it off, he doesn't listen. That's because they got collar wise. And that's you you just need to do the little put it on them, do something fun you know, for several weeks ahead of time. And all of that goes away. So, you know, when you talk about what's the first equipment, leash, check cord, and and we want to condition the dog to just wearing the collar for a while, not hours a day, but when you go out and then make that transition to actually starting the, you know, the collar into your program. Yeah. And that kind of leads into my next question where, you know, I'm looking at Sport Dog Brand's website right now and just looking at the various different models. Uh, where does where would someone start? Is it is it all on a personal preference or, or, you know, maybe it's the dog? But where does someone start to, you know, what would be the first collar that they would buy? Let's say like a retriever. We'll take a retriever here, just for instance, to start with. You know, what what range do you need is probably the biggest thing at this point in time. So starting off. Uh, they have a 425X, 425X, rechargeable, uh, waterproof. The, the big thing there is, once again, I said it has 21 different levels, you know, so you can get that match. It also has tone and vibrate. We didn't talk about that. Tone and vibrate, once your dog is totally conditioned to the remote collar, you have the option of, and the collar itself, if you're on tone, when I press the button, the tone button on the transmitter, it'll just emit a little doot, 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 little tone to the dog. He can hear it, but obviously at a distance you won't. 
or it can be set to vibrate, that the collar actually vibrates, and this is without any correction. So my personal dogs are the dogs that I work. We also upland hunt. So my dogs then are taught that when they hear the tone, I just want you to turn and check back in with me. So you're not having to whistle, yell, you know, make a lot of noise when you're upland hunting either. So uh, that's a feature. Now that 425, now that's uh, going to be 500 yards range. So so think about 500 yards. I mean, if you can you go like, when is my dog going to be 500 yards away from me? Now with a retriever, probably not that often. I mean, if at all, to be honest with you, if he is, he kind of maybe fell, fell asleep. <laughs> yeah, I got left behind or something. No, I, I think 500 yards is right. would be pretty far for, you know, a, a waterfowl hunting dog. Now, you know, an upland dog, maybe there were some situations where that, you know, could be a little further, but I, I wouldn't, wouldn't see right. a whole lot of more than 500 yard range for sure. Right. And then as each, as, as you go up and people go to the website, you'll see all the various models in a lot of cases, then, then the range will go up as well. Features will stay relatively the same, but then the range goes up. So the price goes up a little bit, not substantially really, but say like the four, the A25X, now that's 800 yards, you know, same, you know, same uh, levels of uh, stem. Uh, it has vibrate, tone, waterproof, rechargeable, you know, so for r- roughly right now, about 20 bucks more, you get 300 yards more of, of range. Mm-hmm. So I would say now those two, if you're talking retrievers, that's that, in my opinion, now that covers a lot. And then plus you can expand those to three dog units too. So if you have multiple dogs, uh, all you have to do is buy, buy an add on collar and you have a multi dog unit. So uh, that's, that works there. And if you get into pointing dogs, obviously then you're going to want to start talking about, you know, you're going to want to talk about range more than anything else. So, you know, you get to the 1875, which is, uh, you know, an upland model, which has a beeper, you know, for, you know, getting your dog to the point where you understand where they're at, you know, you're going to have a mile on that. Now you, can you get units more than that? Sure. Pro hunter that goes up to two miles. So they really have something to cover everything. And then they also have their tracking units too. So, you know, you have all of the advantages of your dog's out of sight. You're going to know exactly where they're at. Are they on point? Are they not? Uh, so really this company, if, if it's, if you need it, they basically have something that you need no matter what you hunt and what kind of dog you have, which is pretty nice for us as a pro staff is that, you know, our customers have pretty much everything at their fingertips. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Tips if they need it. Regarding the the containment system. So Sport Dog, I think it was last year or the year before, launched um, their fence and it's a containment training system. It's compatible with uh, all of the collars and 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 kind of it, it just flows seamlessly. Can you kind of explain 
some scenarios where this comes in handy or some a time when you, maybe you use this product. But I've had a lot of people ask me about this containment system and, and, and I've not personally used one, but but I know that you could probably answer some of these questions. Yeah. First, I'll explain to people what, you know, the a containment system is. So th- the one that we're talking about here is that it's all you're doing is burying a wire. You're going to make a perimeter where you want the dog to stay within. Okay. So, uh, and this, this particular unit that we're talking about right now, you could really fence in up to a hundred acres. Oh, so wow. think about, <laughs> think about how much that is. So basically, uh, uh, a wire is just buried, I mean, just underneath the surface. I mean, this isn't deep, really easy. And a lot of people are using these at their homes. We have a lot of customers that use them more for home containment, backyard, and so on. Uh, so, uh, and you have that, but then you also have a transmitter that will go up to the 100 yards as well that can go with that unit. So you can basically use it, It's let's say, contain and train. So if you want a, a unit that you can have range of 100 yards, you know, for, for some training and then also have the, the in-ground fence. So you kind of have a little bit of the best of the both worlds. Uh, the range on the remote, you know, we were talking earlier about how much range you'd need for dogs. Uh, it, it probably is going to give you less range, but you know, in a lot of cases, even think about a hundred yards for the average dog. I mean, at home in containment, one thing that I always like to say for containment, and we see this from a, a hunting standpoint and a training standpoint. If you are going to get a containment system, and this is my personal opinion now, and but you're also going to have your dog obedience trained and use a remote collar. What what I like to say is get do your obedience if you can first with the remote collar because I'm going to point something out. Containment system basically has a boundary, an underground boundary, right? Dog gets to it, and as it gets to it, you know. It, it learns because there's going to be, you're going to place a lot of white flags on that containment. When they get there, when a correction comes, and obviously there's variable settings too, you know, so you don't have to, you know, have anything more than your dog needs. When your dog gets to that level, when it gets a correction, it's going to back up, right? It's not going to want to keep going into it. So the dog learns that when it, when it gets a correction is to back away. Yeah. You with me? Mm-hmm. Now let's say if a dog's been on a containment system, and it might come into training for us, and and we're starting to work on coming when called, okay, which is everybody wants a dog that <laughs> comes when called off leash. As we start working and do the remote collar work, let's say the dog is facing us, we give a tug on the leash, you know, and we're, we're doing the early conditioning to teach the dog when come when called. If the dog would be looking at us and it gets a correction on the collar, it may not want to move forward, right? Because it if it moves forward with a correction, it's going into, it's going into that field of correction. If it had a fence. Yeah. That makes sense. Why would I, why would I move into something if I've been taught to move away from it? So I always say in a lot of cases, if you're going to use a remote collar for your obedience, do that first and then go into it. Can you train a dog out of that? Yes, you can. If you've done one before the other, I'm just saying, it's easier because a lot of times we'll, when a person checks a dog in nowadays for, for gun dog training or obedience training, we'll say, do you have in-ground fencing? And if they say yes, we know then that we'll have to do a little bit of deconditioning to teach that dog to move into it. So, uh, but hey, what a great tool though. Just think of, you know, the people, you know, you're not going to put up a six foot fence in your backyard, most people, to keep your dog in. And a lot of cases, four, four foot fence for a sporting dog. I mean, that's just a hurdle. 
more than anything else. So in uh, an expense of putting in a fence versus having an in-ground, I mean, it, it's, it's fantastic. The tools we have now, unbelievable. And we haven't even talked about bark collars. Well, you got right into it. I mean, you know, the massive amounts of tools. And, and that was one thing that I was going to ask you. I mean, you mentioned you've been training for 45 years and I think it's kind of interesting for me anyway, and I'm sure our audience too, to hear how these tools have changed. You kind of mentioned when the first collars came out and now you've got these various tools from, from sword dog that like you said, it's everything that you possibly need, but you have seen that transition. And can you kind of speak to that? Just kind of talk about how the, that whole transition went from that beginning to now where we've got those these awesome tools. Oh, yeah, for sure. I can remember. I mean, we didn't have, let's just say the remote collar. We didn't have that. So I always tell people jokingly when I'm doing a seminar, when I'm talking about this subject is, I think us dog trainers back then weighed about 75 pounds because all day long you were chasing dogs. <laughs> and, and, and I always say, by the time your dog is three months old, if they don't want to be caught, you're not going to yeah. catch them because you're not going to be fast enough. So the whole idea there, and, and it really was counterproductive. Just let's say a dog's out there, you know, you're calling them, you know, they're, they're just ignoring you, won't pay attention, won't come, don't want to come into you. In old days, okay, you had to run out there. Well, so, you know, there has to be some discipline for not, you know, obeying my command. But what was happening and if you think about this, if you go to your dog and then discipline it, they're going, all right, let's see. My problem is this guy. Yeah. So, and if he catches me, what's going to happen? <laughs> I'm going to get disciplined. So, and, and, and really those dogs got to the point if they, if they would see you coming, they're going like, all I need to do is stay about 10 yards away yeah. from him, you know, until he cools down or something. So now because uh, we have this equipment, the correction comes where the you know where they're misbehaving. When they come back in, all I have to do is pat them and love them up and go, boy, you know what? Geez, what's going on out there? Hey, good to see you. You'll you will see your dog over a period of time. And the beauty with these collars now is there's no lapse in when discipline needs to happen. So you you really have a dog now that's starting to condition themselves to go what. I hear the come, let's just use come. I hear the come command or here. I come in, everybody loves me. So you actually are letting them make the decision. You know, just like we had to make decisions as kids. Well, I can, I can stay out here. But the beauty is the correction comes where they're at. And now you're going to just see these dogs. And we have our customers say all the time, you know, we normally get a dog when it's, you know, it doesn't have all the control. And when we start, when we get the dog to the stage where we have the customer start coming out and we have them off leash and we'll be talking and <laughs> they keep looking down at the dog going like they can't believe that the dog just wants to just hang around. And, and they go, why isn't he just running off? Because he knows that this is the place that this is just an easy place to be right here. And so this, this helps on obedience. 95%, I think of these hunting dogs now, at least in our business, they're family dogs too. You know, so they live in the house, you know, they live in the house. So you got to let them outside, yeah. you know, all of those things where back when I first started, that hunting dog lived out in the kennel. It was dad's dog. That's his problem. But now, but now these dogs have to, you know, be under control, not just mm -hmm. for dad, but mom, you know, mom's going to be taking care of them. And the collar now 
has taken all of the physical aspect out of training. And I always say, if your dog is on a number three setting on the, on the remote yeah. for me, and you have, and you have the remote, there's no difference in correction. So now that transition from person to person to person, that dog goes, well, I, I have to listen to everybody because it's not physical discipline that the dog has to respond to. And most people, when they come to our place, they say, well, how come you guys, I, we never hear you guys yell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, you don't have to yell, you know, uh, really, because, you know, you just talk to the dog, give the, if the dog isn't responding to commands that they know well that they should, they get the amount of correction that's right for them. They go, okay. So what happens is you get a happy dog over a, a, a short period of time because the dog isn't getting in trouble. You know what I mean? They're not constantly pressing every command. And as they, they keep doing it right, that turns into a habit. And those good habits get the praise constantly, or you know what I mean, on a regular basis. So we don't have to tune up, let's say, like upland dogs or you know, pheasant or your grouse or quail. We're not tuning those dogs up like every year like we did back 40 years ago because the, the owner now has the equipment that and the biggest thing is control, right, for, for any dog. They have the equipment there. So they, in the past, they'd hunt them for a couple of weeks. Dogs starting to get out of control, have to bring them back in. We'd get them under control. And now that just doesn't happen. So, I mean, it's the tools. The tools now are fantastic. They just are. Uh, and you know what? Hunters don't have the anxiety that they had before either. They can actually go and have fun instead of fighting with the dog control-wise, especially upland bird hunting or the duck blind breaking. It's just taking all the stress out of it, you know, for the dog and and the owner. Sounds like it makes training in general, you know, much easier than it was 45 years ago. Uh, But, you know, it's putting that training, like you said, it's being able to put that training capability in the owner's hands as well during the off-season. Um, and, and I think that that's a great thing for everybody to be able to be much more involved with it. One last question before we get, let you go here. Mm-hmm. We are, you know, let's say we're, we're middle of September here. We are, you know, some duck seasons have started up a little further north of you. I know Minnesota season is, is going to be opening here at late, late September. Mm-hmm. What, what stages of the training are, are you in right now? Or what different tune-ups are you doing to get these dogs prepared for that opening day, that, you know, those first few hunts? There's, there's several things. Number one, a fair amount of the dogs aren't probably in good physical condition. I, I mean, you know, hunting condition. They're, they maybe haven't worked at home that hard. So number one would be get them physically in condition. That might appear, you know, depending on your temperatures, where you're at. Uh, morning and evening would be a lot of land work where we're actually the weather's cool enough that you can start doing that afternoons for retrievers is definitely going to be in the water so we can keep, you know, working throughout the day. Uh, so, so conditioning is one thing. And then let's say retrievers, you know, a dog that's had some training already is going to be steadiness, steadiness in the, in the duck blind, in the duck boat. It's one thing that, you know, most dogs will slip on. If maybe if the owners aren't keeping track of that, or maybe they're letting it slip and, you know, breaking goes from, you know, when somebody shoots, I've seen dogs get to the point when they think you should shoot, (laughs) they're jumping out of the boat or, and then it just escalates. So, uh, that's not good. And then, you know, upland wise is going to be number one, getting them in shape and then, then getting that control, you know, 
making them stay within the distance that that works for your retriever. I want that retriever 20, 25 yards out in front. And I always say, if you get a straightaway bird that gets up and flushes straight away, by the time you react, that's probably 35 yards, you know, uh, pointing dogs, obviously you can let them go further because they're going to point and, and working them on holding point until you get up there. So bringing back, just tuning up any habits that, you know, they had in the past that were, that were there and maybe are broken. And then there's a lot of young dogs, you know, a lot of people get a puppy in the spring. And so a lot of these young dogs now are going through their full formal training and we're just getting them now within the next uh, six weeks to the point where, okay, they're ready to go out on their first hunts, you know, real hunts and uh, getting them ready to go into the season. So it's a mixture of a lot of different things right now. Oh, that's great. Now that's a, those are some great little tune up tips for people to think about, you know, start, especially, you know, I'm a big fan of the steadiness, um, you know, it just, I, I didn't do a very good job with that with my first dog. Um, but after my first, I, I was about 17 years old when I had my first dog, but, uh, you know, every dog after that, that's been a, a major focus for me. And I think that's something for definitely for our audience, those dog trainers out there, dog owners to really think about steadiness, um, well before the season and even during the season it's something you can work on i think those things start in the house though too to be honest chris i mean if if you have your dog sit before you let them out the door sit before they come in the door put their food down have them sit and wait till you tell me and get it you're you're you're, you can you don't have to be out in the field doing a lot of the things that require some field work but if, if you set some standards in the house which you're around them every day well then it makes it easier to do the other stuff. Yeah, and that just reinforces the command and the, and, and that steadiness there. That's, that's perfect, and that's a great idea. Well, Tom, this has been great. I appreciate you joining me on the podcast. Um, I, I appreciate everything the Sport Dog brand's doing for supporting the podcast and definitely uh, all the great information that you've brought to the podcast. And we're definitely going to have to have you back on real soon. Yeah, I look forward to it. I appreciate the opportunity, Chris. All right. Thanks again, Tom. You bet. I'd like to thank Tom Dawkins with Sport Dog Brand for bringing some great information to the podcast, all about you know some of their great products and also some of his training tips. I'd like to thank our producer, Clay Baird, for doing a great job of putting this together. And I'd like to thank you, the listener, for joining the DU Podcast and for supporting Wetlands Conservation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit www.ducks.org slash DU Podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com.